0: Hello, and welcome to Cloud Automation Weekly. My name is Thorsten Höger, and I'm here to talk about automating your AWS cloud infrastructure. Today, I'm joined by Doug Clausen to talk about Amazon Code Catalyst. Doug, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Thorsten. Folks are just meeting you for the first time. Could you share a bit about who you are and what you do?
1: Yeah, so as you said, my name is Doug Clausen. Uh, I am a product manager uh, with AWS, so I focus on the code suite, so Code Catalyst, Code Commit, Code pipeline. Um, most of my work has been focused around Code Catalyst, um, including up, leading up to the launch there and then uh, what we're going to do after the launch here. So excited to be here to talk to you about that today. Ah, perfect.
0: Um, yeah, thanks for being here and uh, talking with me about this very important and very interesting product. I was trying it out for some time during the beta and happy to see having it launched uh, in, a, in a preview mode uh, to the to general public. But maybe you want to talk about what is code catalyst and why does it exist? Yeah, so let me
1: start with just, you know, what is CodeCatalyst, right? So code catalyst is a, you know, start to finish uh, idea to production, software development lifecycle or DevOps system. So everything from issues management through deployment, um, you know, our, our goal was to simplify developing on AWS and making it easier for people to get started, um, making it easier to manage your CICD workflows, making it easier to... Um, continue developing uh, things like dev environments. I'm sure we we'll hit on a lot of these things today. Um, the, how did we get here? So if I take a few steps back on why did we do Code Catalyst? Um, you know, if I, if you look at the Code Suite the way it exists today, right, or the way it existed prior to Code Catalyst, we had uh, you know multiple services that sort of lived from the source and artifact to build and test to the ultimate deployment, right? So Code Commit, Code Artifact, Code Build. Code deploy, code pipeline. And those were specifically written as sort of consumable APIs uh, that customers would take and then build their own custom tool chains. So whether that was, you know, taking code commit and using it with Jenkins or taking uh, you know, code build and code deploy and using them with Jira and some other upfront, you know, GitHub for issues. Um, that was pretty consistent, right? We saw customers taking our pieces and building their own uh, custom tool chains. Uh And again, that worked well for some customers, Uh, but we continued to hear feedback from customers as well that they were still having issues sort of fully adopting uh, DevOps or CIC pipelines. Um, And there was really, if I summarize, it was kind of three main areas that we got feedback on that we wanted to address with Code Catalyst. So the first one was uh, setting up projects and integrating tools. So uh, customers told us it was hard to get started um, uh, either on a new project uh, or a project that was similar to one of their old ones that they were already developing on. Uh, also, as they were integrating their tools, they realized that, you know, now I'm creating more uh, code that I have to then manage myself, and I don't want to do that anymore. Uh, so kind of those two things together. Um, automating CICD uh, and environments, so, um, you know, making sure that they had the right infrastructure stood up, making sure that they were um, doing CD as, as they wanted to do CD, um, and, and automatically um, deploying on their changes, um, not having to worry about local setup of machines, um, sort of adopting the cloud in the whole, as we talked about earlier. Um, and then the last one was just I'll say the other feedback that we got as, a, as something customers are struggling with was it was just hard to sort of build the just because of the complexity of modern applications, right? You know, um, micro architectures and and have done a lot of, to to sort of advance the way things are built and microservices, I should say, not architecture, excuse me. Um, But it also creates other problems, right? So then you're working, you know, your your single project could have multiple architectures, multiple different languages, multiple different technologies. They're often highly distributed. um, And it's sort of, it can be hard to understand the right combination of services and tools and technologies that you should be using for a particular application. So when, you know, when we had the code suite and we knew how it was being used and customers were sort of using it as what we call the building blocks, right? And then we hear this feedback, um, we took a step back to sort of think about what can we do to a, to one, address those problems, but also create kind of a different path for people who wanted to follow that path. And that's really where Code Catalyst comes in. Um, So as I said up front, you know, Code Catalyst is a integrated DevOps service, Uh lets you go all the way from idea to production. It'll grow with you as your team scales or you scale. Um, and really what we were trying to do with this was remove development complexity and let you work faster. So a lot of what we did was around speed and built for speed. Um, it, it brings together everything, I, I I talked about this, but you know from planning, so issues management, to coding, you know, it's got the dev environments and uh, source code repos, to building, to having automated testing, to ultimately deploying your applications in AWS in a single, single pane of glass, as we like to say it. So a single integrated experience that you experience via website at codecatalyst.aws. Um, so it helps you sort of pass up the custom integrations that we see people doing with the Code Suite um, and, and increase their speed, uh, really in the four areas, really in four key areas. And we can hit these if you want: um, accelerating project setup, um, automating CI/CD workflows, um, managing your dev environment, so a, a cloud-based development environment, and then finally, you know, allowing you to easily collaborate with others.
0: So, yeah, thanks. That sounds really, really great. And I'm hearing this feedback also a lot that, yeah, all the tools are there, but yeah, the UI is not that thing. And and with CodeCommit, it is hard to do pull request reviews and other things. Yes, because it's not a full setup. It, it's, a building it, it's building blocks. It's building blocks and LEGO bricks to do things, but it's not the full solution. Um, and CodeColor just really bridges this gap to, yeah, this is the solution that people can use and yeah manage their projects, manage their repositories, and have all their things yeah, going on there. Um, So to get this, um, get over this point, you mentioned there is this existing code suite. And what I hear a lot of customers is, does this mean code commit is
1: going away? Yeah, no. So we fully intend, and as I mentioned, right, these are sort of, in my mind, they're kind of a couple different paths that a customer could take, right? So code commit, code deploy, code pipeline, code artifact, right? All of those services will continue to be built upon and continue to be used by customers, right? We have a, pretty large customer base and um, you know, we want to ensure that those customers can continue to use those tools as they see fit. And, and as an addition, we want to offer code catalyst to other customers who don't want that building block approach and don't want all that customization. And then instead of they want something that they can just get started with right away, as you said, right. So it comes with a a clean UI that they can sort of see that their entire software development life cycle through that single pane of glass. So yeah, no, the code suite's not going away. Uh, The code suite will continue to be there. um, So, you know, I'll say what I would say is, if the code suite's working for you and you don't have any issues with how it's working and you like that and it's working, like I said, continue to use it. If you want to try something new, try Code Catalyst. Right? It's a different it's a different option, um, but both will continue to be supported and developed. So.
0: And I think it's also um, in some parts a fundamentally different approach. Um, so the, the pipelines are something completely different, or the workflows are something completely different than a code pipeline which is one resource that has multiple active commits in different stages is something completely different than different workflow instances running in parallel in different states so about yeah one being faster than the other guarding stages that no two workflows can have been the same stage at the same time it's a completely different thing having these workflows and a code pipeline so i think there's still yeah
1: yeah it's a good point to use it for
0: both yeah
1: 100% totally agree yeah and, and we will we ex- expect the same right we can we expect to continue to see users for both as well
0: yeah so that would be one of my first one of my wishes for code catalyst is to be able to trigger a code pipeline off of it <laughs> so having yeah code pipeline and code catalyst being a source for code pipeline so i can still use the code pipelines which are a cool thing because they have these multiple commits in the same pipeline approach um yeah yeah but but happy to, to see that this still going to be there and it's just different approaches for for people being in maybe a different state of their journey or just a different approach to how they work. There's another fundamental change um, you might want to elaborate on is where it lives. So Code Catalyst does not live in your AWS account. So it's not bound to your, okay, you shouldn't use the IAM users, but it's not bound to IAM users or anything else you have as principles in your AWS account.
1: Right. Yeah. So that's another good point. Um, so like I said up front, you know, you can go to codecatalyst.aws. So codecatalyst lives what we say outside of the AWS console, right? And while you you will need an AWS account to deploy to, um, if you want to deploy your custom solution, you don't sign in through the console, right? You'll create what we call a builder ID. Um, and builder ID is, in, is intended to be sort of your individual identity on um, AWS, right? So whereas an AWS account is more about Um, as you talk 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 to IAM and sort of um, a place to get your resources think of your builder id as an individual identity Um, so once you log in you create one of those you log into code catalyst um, you'll be asked up front uh, the code catalyst free tier lives on an aws account so you'll connect your aws account to get that free tier Um, and then if you wanted to upgrade to what we would call the standard tier which gets you more build minutes more compute minutes right things like that Um, you could do that and it would be built back to that particular account that you're Locked in with the free tier on. So, you'll when you first log in, you'll create a space. Um, think of a space like a collection of projects. Um, so it could be an organization name, it could be your team name. Um, and then once you've created your space, you'll have the opportunity to create a project. And a project is just what just think of it as a single um, um, development thing. So whether that's uh, or a single single application, I should say. Yeah. Uh, so it'll populate with an issues management issues management board source code repos, CI/CD pipelines, right? All that stuff we talked about earlier. Um, And you'll build that off of what we call, you can build that off of what we call a blueprint. So um, when you sort of are just getting started um, and you don't know exactly what you maybe want to go out and build, um, we've started with, some of those popular projects we've seen on AWS. So what uh, take a look and see if you see one that you like. If you don't, give us feedback on the one that you want, right? Um, but those blueprints allow you to sort of, in a few button clicks, get an entire project up and running on AWS, including the CI/CD pipelines. And that first deployment will start happening then on that first project. Um, so yeah, excited to have you try it out. But good point, Thorsten. We're not in the console. Uh, and so make sure you create that builder ID up front
0: so so it's a separate builder id and it's living outside of the account also in in the sense of if you deploy to multiple accounts that's not a problem to to pick one as your code account so it's completely living outside and you can deploy to multiple aws accounts and it's living completely outside and you have a separate user space um so and the builder id as you said it's it's your identity you can use it for repos um or eventually to register for reInvent. Maybe that's coming in the future. So you, finally, AWS knows who I am. and I don't have to enter the same data every week when I register for any events. We're getting there. Perfect. Um, yeah, you, you were talking about um, the, the, the actions, the blueprints, the repositories. I, I really like that I can have multiple repositories per project because I think it's a logical grouping to have this is my to do list and it has a back end and front end. So it's two repositories for the same application with one issue tracking and one workflow management. Um, talking about this is what what is there. As I said, it, it launched in, in preview, so it's not GA yet. I'm sure you had a lot of feedback. So, any ideas what customers want additionally to the things that are already there? Yeah, sure. So, let me. So, first off, as you mentioned, we launched in preview. Um, we were really
1: excited at some of the feedback and you called out one of, one of the first uh, Twitter posts that I saw was somebody who took it and had created a new project and was deploying from the same project into multiple different regions um, in the same project. Right? So again, we talk about this being a more global experience while your account and your code catalyst account will live today. It's in IED. I'm sorry, in PDX. Sorry. Um, you can actually deploy into other regions. And that was one of the coolest things I think I saw was somebody sort of Uh, in in like 20 minutes creating a project and deploying it across multi-region um other feedback that we've gotten um and that we know is important to sort of uh consider and work on is the the um one of the biggest pieces of feedback is customers don't want to create individual builder ids for every single person on their team right if they've already got some sort of um, alternate authentication method um they want to continue to use that right and so um, think of it like a SSO or right? a single sign-on capability. So that's one of the things that uh, um, we will be doing um, is because that's been one of the top feedbacks. Another big one um, is, you know, when we first launched this, we wanted to get feedback um, specifically around permissions and how customers might want to use it. And I think, um, you know, one of the things that, again, another thing that we've been told about is more granular permissions, right? So whether that's restricting who can commit back on main, restricting who can run a workflow, um, restricting how many PR, P, how many reviewers you have to have on a PR, or a particular person on a PR, right? There's a lot of different combinations of these things you could think about. And that's been another piece where customers have been, I think, vocal and excited that um, they'll be able to set all of those, even if they can't do it today. And then one more thing I'll mention uh, and, and see if you got any feedback on this one um, is extensibility, right? So right now with launch, we launched um, with Atlassian as one of our launch partners. So if one of our, one of the things we wanna be able to do behind Code Catalyst is enable extensibility, right? Enable um, you to extend the platform and sort of meet you where you are. So if you have a particular tool that you're using and you wanna keep using it like Jira, um, at launch today, you can actually link your Jira account into your Code Catalyst project and you can use your issues management from Jira um, as opposed to using our first party issues management. Similarly, you can do that with GitHub and source control. So if you have GitHub cloud uh, source control, you can do that. Um, We've been asked for more of those things as well, right? I mean, there's a whole laundry list of different source providers that customers use, um, and not everyone uses the same one. And so a lot of those have also been asked for. The other way that you can sort of extensively change the platform is through workflow actions. So we didn't talk a lot about workflows yet, but um, the way, you know, Automating your CICD pipelines with Code Catalyst, there's both a visual editor to allow you to sort of drag and drop boxes of functionality throughout the workflow. If you want to use YAML instead, there's a YAML editor as well. Um, You can use any GitHub action that exists. Um, We actually pre-configured, I want to say it's 11 of the top 11. So like the superlender is pre-configured and it's literally like a drag and drop, right? You drag the box in, you're now running the superlender in your workflow. We wanna be able to extend that even farther, right? So today we have, I wanna say it's like 10 or 12 custom actions that are AWS developed, right? Things like deployments um uh and builds and things like that. We've got the GitHub actions. We wanna be able to extend that even further to allow custom workflow actions from teams, right? So that a team could write their own custom building blocks that their team could use within their space. Um, yeah. Similarly, I guess one more thing I'll mention uh, on the custom, since we're on it, is blueprints, right? So right now we're publishing the blueprints. Um, we've also received a lot of feedback, and good feedback around we want more blueprints, and we also want to be able to make our own, right? There's a saint. I develop my projects the same way, so let me keep developing the same way, and I don't want you to make it for me. I just want to make it myself, and then I will ma- build and manage that myself. So those have been some of the big big areas we've gotten feedback on.
0: Yeah, that sounds really really interesting. Um, especially, I think the permissions. And, and uh, identity providers is something I also get a lot of like, yeah, that's great. But I want to hook it up to my Azure AD or Okta or whatever. And how can I restrict people from, from pushing to main? Um, so that's definitely um, a yeah, big thing that a lot of people w- would look forward to. Um, and I would also love if, if there's a more granular way to what you mentioned with the pull requests, Because things like, oh, yeah, if this deployment changes security groups, I want to have an approval from IT security. If it changes something else in infrastructure, IT operations needs to approve it. If it's, let's say, only an application change, it's okay if somebody else from development approves the change. So it's DevOps working all together, but still having separate roles that only this type of person is allowed to approve changes of a certain type so that would be really really cool
1: yeah and and i think that the interesting thing here is that you know while you know there are best i'll say best practices inside devops right and a lot of people use them everybody develops software different differently right so the, the more customers we've talked to the i would say the more uh ways we've heard about how they use permissions and how they want to use permissions and so we yeah we want to we want to make this um when we start working on this is sort of a um as customizable as we can, right? Because everybody has their own ways to do it and we want to enable all of those ways, right? We don't want to force someone down a path that they don't want to change on, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think one thing that came out as a de facto standard, I think it was a GitHub feature or is a GitHub feature, but it's something that people think of as this code owner's files. Say, yeah, I want to be able to specify in a file in my repo who is responsible for what and whenever I change or touch one of these files, the review needs to be approved by the owner of this file.
1: Yep, we have heard that one as well. Yep, that is certainly one of the use cases, I would agree.
0: Yeah, that sounds really, really interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think SSO is a, is a big thing and is extensibility. I can imagine that besides Jira, people want to use Asana or whatever. As, as, so there's other tools in the space that are already extensible or completely different things with your own actions, your own integrations. Um, so that, that's really very interesting thing. Yeah, and I think the big push behind those, all of those is,
1: you know, our our goal with Code Catalyst, we we realize it's a big ask, right? There's a lot that Code Catalyst does. And if you have to pick it up and adopt all of it, that's probably not going to work for most people, right? Like they they already have some piece that they like or something that they want to continue using, or they're just so deeply invested in a particular tool that it's a showstopper to stop using it, right? And so we want to continue to grow that library of extensible options to allow, more customers to try it out, and then hopefully find pieces of code catalyst that they like and enjoy, and then you know um, sort of rebuild their life cycle.
0: Yeah, and another thing that that's part of this extensibility, and also a, a cool feature you just mentioned it uh, when going through the walk uh, the features is these um, development environments. So these ephemeral environments where, where you can develop your, your code. M- maybe you want to elaborate on this a bit. Yeah, happy to. So. Um,
1: one of, one of the things that I think there's been a lot of customers, in fact, I had customers after I gave a breakout session at reInvent, ask me, um, can they just get the dev environments by themselves? They're like, that would save us so much time. Um, so we've had a lot of excitement around this particular um, feature of the launch as well. So, you know, typically if I go start working on a, a new project, um, it it can be a bit hard to get started. Right. So even if the project's already off and running and I can get the source code repo, there's still sort of other things I have to do, right? Whether that's install new libraries on my machine and hope that those particular libraries don't conflict with something that I already have installed, which I've had happen with Python before. Um, And then I have to sort of jump back and forth between versions if I want to keep developing both those projects, Um, you know, it's not really a one-stop, one-time thing either as the project evolves, right? I have to keep my machine up to date. or you run into this environment drift problem where you hear the famous, you know, it works on my machine thing. It's like, well, great, thank you. It works on your machine, but production doesn't work. So that doesn't really help us. Um And, you know, once you hit one of those points and you got to dig around and spend time figuring out why it's not working. So one of the things we wanted to do with Code Catalyst was also provide a development environment, a cloud-based development environment. Um, so the way it works today, inside your source code repo, there's a dev file. So the dev file standards, what we use to essentially software define these cloud environments. Um, which ensures that there's no variant changes from different users and ensures that everyone gets the same sort of constant and repeatable experience. And it gives you really sort of a local IDE feel while running the actual heavy lifting in the cloud. Um, So the way it works today, again, you could use JetBrains IDEs, you could use VS Code, you could use Cloud9. If you're using Cloud9, it's totally browser-based, right? You would literally go to your repo, you would launch a dev environment, it would pop cloud nine browser up on your machine that you're running on while at the same time creating sort of a machine in the back end that's doing all the heavy lifting and then your machine think of it as more of a a thin client right where you're making changes uh to that IDE, but you had to do zero local setup because the cloud-based machine used the dev file to install all the right libraries and the right setup of that particular to to develop on this type of repo when it was started so um same thing with VS Code. So you could launch one of those it, if you you have to install the AWS Toolkit first. Uh, so there is one install that you do have to do. So it's not totally seamless in terms of not installing nothing. Um, but once that's installed, you would launch uh, the dev environment again from the repo inside Code Catalyst. Uh, it would launch VS Code on your machine. Uh, there's a, It's basically setting up port forwarding between your machine and the cloud's machine such that um, when, I'm sorry, there's a... A secure connection between your machine and the cloud machine. And then, if you are running a single page app, for, for example, you could then sort of test and debug said application uh, all locally without having to check that, that change back in. Um, we gave a pretty good demo of this in both um, uh, the talk, the breakout session. I'm sure I can send you a link to, to include with this. Um, yeah, put it
0: in the show notes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, But you can see kind of it, see it work in action. This is one of those things I think when you see it, it's a, the picture is worth a thousand words. Um, The other thing with dev environments that's cool, to me at least, is context switching is so much easier because there's literally no setup, right? If I wanted to work on a different project, I just go to the different project, go to the repo, launch the dev environment from there, and I'm up and running with a different machine right away, right? So, um, like I said, they work with Cloud9, VS Code, and JetBrains IDEs today. Um, That's another place we're listening to feedback to see where customers want other things or want uh, different things about uh, the way dev environments are working. But so far... Um, I know for me at least, who have been using Code Cloud, Code Catalyst, uh, the dev environments are are super handy to get started. De-
0: definitely, um, yeah. And I think another thing with these uh, dev environments is also some kind of uh, compliance and governance thing because if it's on these, yeah, cloud environments, you don't have things like, oh yeah, the, the code is on the machine of the developer, and no, we have no idea what's happening with it, and it's accessing things and what is installed and or you need to be able to install software on your machine, but it's a lockdown client and things like that. It's, it just doesn't matter. It's it's a workspace. Yeah. You can work on it. You can do things. It will go away. It's ephemeral. Nothing will hack this thing because it's just gone after you close your browser. And you can be very yeah, flexible in allowing people things. And yeah, it's fine to install whatever you need in, in this environment because it's gone after this, and you can still have your locked down yeah, work machine that has all the AppSec or ITSec um, gu- guidelines.
1: That's right. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things, right? You didn't download all of the source code to your machine, right? So if you lose your machine, you don't know how, to, you know, HR is not coming knocking. Hey, where's that machine? We lost all of the source code for pick particular application right um the other thing i wanted to say though too is that they're not really they're not gone per se right they they can be stopped started restarted um but that to your point that machine is sort of shut down and it's just stored here's what that machine was doing and here's what it has um but yeah it's all it's all cloud-based
0: yeah so so it's in a regulated thing in a check thing it's not on anything outside at the home of your employee (laughs) right exactly yep the other so that's...
1: thing too is performance, right? So you know, as I talked about it up front, but as architectures get more complex, and if you don't have a performant machine, and you need a more powerful machine to run the particular application that you're trying to build or run on, right? You can do that with a cloud-based machine, where you don't have to go buy a new laptop. You just sort of
0: use the use a more powerful cloud-based machine, um, and we've seen that been successful as well. Buying a new notebook would be one thing. For Me, it's a, as a consultant it, going to clients and just working off of an iPad. That's that's what I was going to say next.
1: Yep, exactly. So, if you want to use a you know, you could use Cloud9 totally off of an iPad, you wouldn't have to have anything else.
0: Yep, yeah. I was bothering um the JetBrains team at last reInvent, so at the 2021 and 2022 um reInvent, when do you start offering an um, idea? So, this remote idea thing that they are using for their uh, ephemeral workspaces, which is the same that's used for Code Catalyst, to when can we do have a native app on iPad for this? And they, oh, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> Look into it. <laughs> same for VS Code. I think that there's a development ongoing to have a VS Code. It's just an Electron app, so why not? It's a WebView. Um, have a VS Code native implementation for, for, for iPad. If it's just connecting to a remote development environment, that's totally enough to be running on an iPad. Did you say there's an active development? I didn't know that. And as far as I know, there is active develop- development on seeing how this works. It's not clear how it will be, but yeah, yeah, it, it's not the only ephemeral workspace or cloud environment that's right. out there. There's Gitpod, there's CodeSpaces. Right. 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 There are a lot of things out there, and there isn't a need to have VS Code a thin version because with all these Different options ha- to having f- 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 ephemeral workspaces, an iPad is the obvious solution for, for the client. Yep, it's yep, I agree. So much easier. Because when all this work from home started, for me, it was like, I don't need a laptop that I'm talking and uh, uh, taking around with me all the time because I'm at home most of the time. So I will buy a decent machine that's on my desktop, a Mac Studio or whatever. And then if I really leave the house, I want to have an iPad because it's so much lighter. But I still want to be able to work on it not work on it on a daily basis but able to work on it for a workshop for a client visit for i'm sitting in an airport and have nothing to do so to have the option to work on an ipad is, is really cool and have everything else in the ide in the cloud ide in an integrated environment in in code catalyst i think that that's where the future is yep i i agree with you i agree with you any other feedback you want to share that you might incorporate in a GA launch that's happening at any point in the future. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, so we have also gotten feedback on this, right? I mean, the fact that we are preview customers are interested in us getting to GA more quickly um, you know sort of as quickly as possible because they certain corporations have restrictions of adopting a preview product, right? So even if the product was perfect for them today, they couldn't start using it because of its preview label. Um, so, so we are sort of, as you would expect, right? We were listening to feedback. We are, um, sort of working towards our GA launch. I won't, uh, I won't share any, uh, any news on that quite yet, but, um, just know that, you know, we are working on that and it should be coming here, uh, uh, soon. Um, the other thing that I didn't mention earlier, so I don't think I did was around packages support, right? So a code artifact integration, if you think about it that way, um, that's sort of the, the other piece that we've gotten feedback on that I forgot earlier was around, um, code as packages support, right? So how do you once I've done gone through and built something, do you have some sort of package repo that I can save it in and store it in? Um <clears throat> and so we are we are uh working towards that too as well.
0: Yeah, so a different one or really just integrated with code artifact
1: if you have an CodeArtifact artifact running. It would be very similar to how code catalyst works today. So it would sort of be it would be code artifact under the hood, but it would be through your code catalyst account.
0: So you would if I have my own code artifact, I can still perfectly use it um i'll have to look at i'll have to look at that
1: because what you know like today at least if you are using code commit um you you can't really just link your code commit into code catalyst yet right like you would have to
0: if uh, a commit yes but a code artifact if i have my code artifact domain with my own packages using this as an upstream with an npmrc file or whatever should still work i think yeah i i'll have to dig into it i actually don't know the answer to that yeah because i think that's Definitely, something that that people have out there is yeah. code artifact to store their packages and release packages to, and even from whatever other solution, from Bitbucket, from GitHub, whatever, loading from code artifact, storing back to code artifact. So that should not be the big issue, right? Yep. Whenever you can do weird things, so I also created a code catalyst project that's having an action that's pushing the code to code commit to start a code pipeline there. It totally works.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, there's the 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 way that the workflows are written today, and and you, yeah, you could certainly get access and change, you know, permissions per step, and so yeah, I could totally see you doing just about anything you wanted to. I think the question today, though, is how uh, we want to make it as painless as possible, right? And don't want to make you have to jump through hoops to do something. So, yeah, yeah I, I would anticipate it being similar, and that it'll work as you said. Um, I don't know what the exact implementation work looks like, though. Yet, yeah, today.
0: Yeah, but that sounds really interesting. Anything else you want to share, or um, want to people know about Code Catalyst? No, just that um, you know
1: it was it was exciting to work on it and launch it. Um, the feedback at Reinvent was awesome. Um, you know we had a lot of excitement around it and a lot of sort of I'll say articles and um, Twitter messages and things. And the, the team was the team's always excited to, to see and hear that feedback. So. Um, no i i would encourage you if you haven't give it a try right uh, it's codecatalyst.aws. i'm sure we can put a link in the show notes exactly. uh, drop this top the page but um no give it a try uh and then if if you have feedback again um thorsten was one of our beta users and you know we use that feedback to directly drive what we are going to do in the future so um drop us a post on repost if you have feedback or in-app there's also a way to send feedback directly to the team and again, I can I can assure you that the team sees that feedback, um, we prioritize that feedback, and then we begin working on that feedback. So um, yeah, give it a try. Uh, if it works for you as it is today, perfect. If you have feedback and you want things to change, let us know, I'd love to hear about it.
0: It sounds perfect. And yeah, this has been great. So what can people find more about you online or the project you already mentioned, Code Catalyst AWS. Um, anything else, I will also put it in the show notes, but anything you want to highlight now for you? <laughs>
1: Uh, no, I am. I have a, a low-key uh, online presence, so you won't find me anywhere but LinkedIn. Um, so I can certainly share. It. Thorsten, you have my LinkedIn, but uh, I'm only—it's the only place you're going to find me.
0: Okay, perfect. Yeah, thanks for joining me today. All right, thanks. Thanks for having me. All right, folks, that's it for today. I'm Thorsten Hugo and I hope you join me again next time for Cloud Automation Weekly.